Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Bradley's House, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the matriarch of the Bradley's House podcast, Kelly Noel. Kelly, how are you doing today? Good, but I think matriarch makes me sound old, so we'll have to discuss that later. But thank I, you. I don't, I don't know if it makes you sound old. I think it makes you sound strong, authoritative. All right, let's go with that. I'm good. All right, we'll good. Go strong and authoritative. How's uh, how's everything going, Kelly? We've got a, a lot going on on the podcast. I know you've got a lot going on at the foundation. H- how how are you maintaining with all this? You know, busy but good. Keeps me out of trouble, so no complaints here. Well, we had uh, a lot of fun on our last episode. Um, I've been getting a lot of great feedback from people that really enjoyed the uh, the female version of Bradley's house. Um, we had, we had Stacy and Soma on and Brindy joined us as well. Um, and, uh, and it was a great episode. It's, it's had, uh, some wonderful feedback. Uh, what have you been hearing after the episode? Definitely a uh, great feedback. I thought it was a lot of fun for me personally. I love all those women and, uh, and it was really exciting for me to be able to talk with them. Well, Kelly, I don't know how you keep doing it, but you certainly continue to line up amazing guests uh, for us and for the listeners. Now, I know when you speak about the House That Bradley Built album, um, every single track on there is your favorite. You certainly will not pick one, and I totally understand why so many people put so much time and effort into this. They all get to be able to stand on that platform. But I know outside of the album, today's guest is one of your personal favorites, and we've talked about it before. Who's joining us in Bradley's house today? This is very true. I was fortunate to be introduced to his music about 10 years ago from a very good friend. And interestingly enough, he said, you've got to check these guys out. They do a really great Sublime cover. And why that was important to me is because, you know, sometimes Sublime covers sound a little impersonal or or don't really you know, have the emotion behind it that, that makes you really connect with it. And so when I listened to it, I knew instantly that, that these were people that, that loved Brad, that got it, that understood the vibe. And so for me personally, that really meant a lot. And then I started diving into their music and realized that not only did I absolutely love their music, I love the whole band, but he is really one of my favorite vocalists. And so I'm really excited to have him on today. We have Howie Spangler from Ballyhoo. Welcome, Howie. Hey, Howie. Hello. Hello. How you guys doing? Great to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for the introduction. That was awesome. Sure. And I, so I should say right off the bat, as you were saying, Jared, that we were fortunate enough to have you do a cover of STP on the house that Bradley built. Thank you very much for doing that. I'm delighted to be a part of it. Uh, we got asked to do that and I was like, yes, we're definitely doing this. <laughs> there there were a handful of bands and, and artists that I really wanted to have on the album. And of course, you guys were definitely one of them. So um, you definitely, you killed STP. You really did. It was a great cover. And anytime I hear you do Sublime songs, you do it with such great emotion and passion, just like you do with your music. And so I sure appreciate that. I think that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I honestly, like, you know, 
your bro. I learned from from the best, you know, like that was, <clears throat> you know, I was into punk rock. Thank you. Yeah. I honestly like, you know, your bro, I learned from, from the best, you know, like that was, <clears throat> you know, I was into punk rock as a kid and I started getting into, um, ska and reggae, you know, through like Goldfinger and, uh, and then I, I found, and Suicide Machines and, you know, Real Big Fish and all that. And then I, I found Sublime. Um, and it was like, what is this? You know? <laughs> and the, the, the dude's voice was just incredible, you know, just, um, and I remember hearing Bad Fish for the first time and just, I went straight to the garage and I was like, I, had, I literally had a garage. We had a garage at the house and I went out there and just cranked my amp and just started trying to learn it, you know? Um, Do you remember about how old you were when you first discovered Sublime? Yeah, I was about, uh, I want to say I was 16, 15 or 16. Um, a friend of mine actually was playing the, uh, he was playing the self-title record on his, uh, tape player, tape player in the car. Um, um, <laughs> that's how old you are. Yeah. <laughs> dating myself. And, uh, I, I, I remember like being like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know? <clears throat> and it was like, uh, I think wrong way came on. It was like cigarette pressed between her lips and staring at her tits. Like I remember laughing at that line, you know, and just like, that's funny. That's cool. You know? Um, and it was one of those things where it kind of like, it came to me like sort of in droves. Like, um, uh, it was when, when Santeria came out, it was like, whoa, this is, this is really good. Like, wow, what, what is this? I saw the video on MTV and I think I heard, I know I heard Badfish on the mom soundtrack, um, or compilation. Uh, and like, no doubt was on there, a bunch of other bands. And yeah, I was like, Whoa, like that's it. You know? And then I, I got 40 ounce and, um, you know, Robin the hood and just everything I could, uh, I was getting, I was going to the, like the, the record stores and trying to find like live bootlegs and stuff. Like just fell in love. Were you already playing music on your own at that point? Yeah, it was, um, we, we'd been a band. Let's see. We started the band in July of 95. Um, so it was like a good year, you know, before I really found sublime. Um, but we, we had played our first show. We practiced like every day for eight months. Um, yeah. Until our first show on March 1st, We're coming up on 25 years of shows since our first show. Wow. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Now, I think one of the things that I wanted to point out is um, I think a lot of times when we hear bands that have that kind of sound and feel that uh, a Ballyhoo has um, or people that are influenced by Sublime, they just assume that you're a West Coast kid who grew up hearing Sublime on the radio all the time. But that's not the case with you, correct? Yeah, we got that all the time, especially in the beginning. It was like, you guys from California, right? We're like, nah. And like anytime we were like on tour with a band uh, that was from California, like the B Foundation or somebody like that, it, or, or like Dirty Heads one time, like the, uh, the fans would come up to have the, after the set, be like, oh, you guys from California? We'd have all these people around. I said, uh, no, actually, we're from Maryland. Uh, those guys, though, they're from California. And everybody would just leave and go talk to those guys. <laughs> it happened all the time. It was the weirdest thing. Um, but yeah, I, I just fell in love with the, that sound, you know, that that's I call it Southern California, whatever, whatever kind of sound. I just fell in love with it, man. And, and just sort of just made it my my kind of roadmap, you know. 
There's been a lot of that sound now coming out of the East Coast. Yeah. Um, there's been quite an explosion. Um, you know, we, we got Bump and Uglies out of Annapolis. Uh, you know, there's all the Florida bands cashed out. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's been interesting to watch. Um, it was funny because, you know, we would, you know, we would go on tour and we'd be, you know, like the only you know, reggae rock band, like whatever you want to call it, kind of on the bill, like it'd be like local openers and stuff. And the show would be really weird because it, it just didn't match stylistically. And um, I remember going through St. Louis one time and it was just like, the show was kind of, the shows were like lame and we didn't, it was kind of like just to route through it. Um, and then I think we came back, we were on our way to the pepper tour, actually, well, we went on tour with pepper in 2011 and we were on our way out there. We routed ourselves out and we, st- we were like, all right, let's just pick up a show in St. Louis. They usually, they blow, but let's just do it. Try to make some money. <laughs> and, and we got there and there were like two or three reggae rock bands opening for us. We we're like, what the hell happened here? This is, we're talking like less than a year, you know, that there's just, these, it just, it just came out of nowhere. It seemed like. And I guess it was just picking up steam at that time. This is 2011. So, you know, like Pepper and Stupid were kind of doing the thing in like the late 2000s, 06, 07, 08. And then came uh, Revolution started doing some stuff and Iration started getting out there. And I guess everybody started picking up on it across the country. And it was just wild to see all of a sudden there's like, and the place was packed. Like it was wild. That's awesome. I was fortunate enough to be on the morning show of Ocean 98.1 which is a Maryland station. And they were talking obviously about the house that Bradley built and they knew all of the bands on there. (laughs) I thought that was so cool. This, you know, just being on the East coast that they, they were obviously several bands were from the East coast, but also the fact that they just knew that whole scene. I thought that was really cool to see that it spread across the country. Uh, Yeah. I'm actually like, even still today, like uh, kind of taken aback, you know, like when I'll go into a restaurant or, something in this area where I live and like they're they're bumping stick figure or revolution or something you, you just know you know that they're like in the know they listen to all those bands it's like I feel like if you listen if you listen to one of them you kind of listen to all of them because it's they all come up on the same radio stations and such um and like Pandora and Spotify radio like they, they lump everybody together so like in playlists and, and everything so it, it's just crazy to see friends that I went to high school with that are listening to those bands you know and uh, Ocean 98 has been a very supportive station out of Ocean City, um, and they just seem to pick up on everybody. It's it's really rad. That's awesome. Now, one of the things that I loved when I first started listening to your music, and it's no secret I've told you this, is the song Close to Me. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I think it was it took about three years before I could listen to that song without crying. Uh, it's just a beautiful song, and um, I understand that you wrote it about losing your mom. Yeah. Um, first, thank you. Um, I'm glad it's connecting like that. Um, yeah, I wrote it in, uh, Oh six. My mom died when I was a kid. Um, and so this was like 10 years after she died and I was, I was sitting in a, in our van outside of a venue in I think it was Naples, Florida. It was like the end of the tour and we'd been out for like six weeks. It was our first tour. I was exhausted, tired, you know, um, th- a lot of things going on in my personal life. It was just kind of weird and uh, just feeling really down and depressed, you know, and 
Like I hadn't shaved in like four days. And if you have, if you haven't seen me, like if you've ever seen me, like if I haven't shaved in like three or four days, I just look, I look terrible. Like it's not a full beard. It's, it's awful. Um, it's just a mess. And, uh, yeah, I wrote this thing just kind of sitting there in the van, uh, in about 20 minutes and, and there it was, you know, just kind of came out. Wow. That's incredible. I do think that the, the realness of the song and, and so many of your other songs too, are what make them so relatable. And I feel the same about Sublime's music too, that there's, there are a lot of songs that Brad wrote that are, are very personal and very real. And I think that that's why the music has endured because people can connect with it and relate to it. And, um, yeah, so that's, that was definitely something that was, was big for me, just knowing that, that, you know, the, the sentiments that you expressed in that song were things that I was feeling very deeply about my brother. And, um, so that was one of the big reasons why I initially connected with the music. And then of course, you know, started diving deeper about all the other stuff and raised my kids on it and all that. So we're, we're a whole household of Ballyhoo fans over here. It is cool when you bring the fam out to the shows when we get out there. Yeah, it's really fun. And there was even one where we brought a bunch of, of friends and, and friends, kids and all that. I think, I don't know, we had 12 or 15 people there. It was a lot of fun, but um, your shows are always great. And I love the fact that I, you know, have been able to turn my kids onto it and they, you know, have, have just embraced it. Um, my oldest son has the big Ballyhoo flag hanging up in his bedroom. And <laughs> so, yeah. We're fans. I'm fangirling now. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's it. Uh, it means a lot to me. You know. Um, I think I, I, I probably told you many times back. You know, nine, ten years ago when we first like met or whatever. Like, um, just how it, how much it meant to me. Like you reached out on Facebook. Um, actually, I got a message and it was like this long message. I I couldn't believe it. Uh, what I was reading, I was like, wow, I had to read it twice, you know? And, um, just, just kind of knowing that like, <clears throat> like the, the, the guy that influenced me, you know, in, in a big way, you know, really, ch it kind of like it, he really shaped the, the sound and the direction of the band. Um, cause I was playing like, you know, we were doing like pop punk, like we, I wanted to be Billy Joe Armstrong, you know, it was green day. Um, and once I heard sublime, I was like, whoa, it was like, I need to, I need to shift gears here. And I started adding that stuff in and really trying to, I remember like trying to just, just playing those records, those sublime records, like over and over again in the car cranked and just trying to match and hit every single note that I could, um, you know, basically taking voice lessons every day in the car, you know? And, um, so it was cool to, to get that message from you to see how, how the music was, was connecting in that way. And, um, yeah, it was very special. So, kind of brings it all full circle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really neat. And, um, uh, you know, being, we've, we've been asked over the years to like do sublime stuff, you know, like, um, uh, we did, a we did, a I think, yeah, it was like the Fells Point Festival in Baltimore. They, they're like had all these bands coming and just doing cover sets and they asked us to do sublime. So we, I think we played like 10 sublime songs and all the crowd went crazy and, you know, um, and then we, we did that one where I guess where you first heard us on the, uh, forever free was the name of the album. We did 40 ounce. Um, and then now the, the house of Bradley built, um, yeah, it was, I'd heard they wanted like acoustic and, uh, I was like, all right, I guess I'll just do it by myself. And, um, 
I, I when I started strumming it and kind of singing singing it, um, I was like, okay, yeah, this is the way to go. I feel like this is gonna be like really strong. And uh, once I actually dug into the lyrics, I was like, wow, this is really dark. It sounds like such a fun upbeat song, you know, and it's just very dark lyrics. Yeah, they really are. I remember you had posted a video when you were recording it and we chatted back and forth a little bit and I appreciated the fact that you understood the the meaning behind the lyrics that it that it's not a happy song. And I think that makes a big difference. You know, when you're covering a song, it's important to know the intent behind it to really get the feel for it and and you definitely captured that. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a, a pleasure and an honor to to sing that and um you know me you know i haven't personally haven't gone through those things that that he went through and um you know so i just did the best i could uh, to just sing it and you know give it as much fire you know and and sell it you know so so why did you choose that song it's just one of my favorite songs by them it's like um i mean i have many you know but but that song always stuck out um and uh, i just i love the dynamic of it i love how like it, it's got it's got like four different tempos and just, it's all over the place and um and even like it's, it's stylistically it's like ska punk and you know rock in the in the choruses and then it's like uh that kind of slow like bluesy kind of thing in the middle like um and then it picks up on the ska stuff it's i don't know it's just it's fun and it's like very chaotic and it, the the melody and everything i mean all that i need you know look at all the love of, i mean that's huge and especially the way he sings it you know just love it yeah absolutely it was a great choice you really did a great job on it and um, so tell us about some of the other things you do besides ballyhoo you involved with a lot of other bands you do some producing yeah um been producing bands for about i guess about four years now um, started with Bumpin' Uglies, uh, local boys here, um, them and, and another band up in the Boston area at the time. I, uh, it brought me, it was funny, like one of the first pr- production jobs that I had was like uh, working on, on a record where the singer had been in a car accident and he was um, basically like he can't communicate anymore and like he's just kind of bedridden and very, you know, kind of a weird situation and like but luckily he had recorded he was very passionate about singing and when he did his demos he he did it as if he was recording a, a record like this is forever kind of thing so a lot of the stuff we had to work with it was like vocals guitar um maybe some like you know program drums to kind of get the idea out but it, we ended up building the album like building the songs around his vocal takes um which was super challenging so this this is like my first production you know and i'm supposed to like help make this thing you know realize this guy's vision and i can't even talk to him about it you know and uh so we finished the record we did i think we did like nine songs or something and um they told me that they sent me a video actually of him listening to the tracks and you could see it in his face that he's like super stoked. He's like very happy with what we did with his songs. And that was like, whoa, you know? Yeah, it was it's like super heavy, you know? Um, 
And then on the other side, I was work I was working with Bump and Uglies kind of at the same time, and um, this was more traditional style, you know. But uh, yeah, we just went in and kind of told them, you know, let's 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 change this. Oh, that sounds great. Hey, you should sing this. You know, just kind of helping them. When a when a band's recording um, themselves, it's hard to kind of step outside and sort of notice the little details because I think production is all about the details. Um, I'm not there to change the band's sound or anything like that, but I'm there to like catch like the weird moments that like, you know, like a a, a weird drum hit or a fill that's not in time or, you know, like you know when they're singing like I'm catching all the you know, when they go pitchy with it or something we fix those things in the moment. Um, but I'm there to help serve the vision, you know, so that's kind of how I approach everything. And I guess since then I've, I've got, I've got many, many projects under my, under my belt. So I've been very fortunate to have bands approach me and, and want me to be a part of it. That's awesome. Love Bumpin' Uglies, by the way. And of course they're on the house that Bobby built as well. I was super stoked to have them. I'll tell you from my point, um, you know, Ballyhoo, Bumpin' Uglies, um, Tropidelic. Uh, I really enjoy seeing East Coast bands, you know, really making waves in the scene because I'm from the East Coast. I grew up in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, for a while, I thought I was like the only Sublime fan in the world. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then these, these Facebook groups started opening up and I moved out to the West Coast and I was like, oh my God, there's so many of us. Um, but it wasn't easy to have that kind of access growing up in, in Philadelphia. I got a lot of boys to men and a lot of Will Smith. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't as, uh, as mainstream there, I guess. And, uh, so when I see bands from the East coast, like you guys, um, you know, it, it's just, uh, uh, it's really cool for me to see. That's, that's great, man. Uh, for the record, boys to men, I'll listen to them all day. They're a band so good. <laughs> okay, I was thinking that about Will Smith. I mean, huge Will Smith. <laughs> I, so I sat next to. I actually sat next to Will Smith at a Sixers game, um, and it was uh, so. <laughs> Allen Iverson, who was a player for the Sixers, his mom used to sit courtside, and she'd hold up a big sign, said, "That's my boy." And um, the one time, a friend of mine and uh, myself, we went down to a Sixers game, and I said, "I'm going to go up and talk to Allen Iverson's mom." We're like 15-year-old kids at the time. So I walk up and introduce myself and tell her what a fan I am of her son. And she says, you guys come into the game on Sunday? And I said, well, not everybody has $70 million at their disposal. So um, we won't be at the game on Sunday as well. She said, you guys meet me out front. I'll bring you into the game. So sure enough, that Sunday we went down. We waited out front. Alan Iverson's mom brings us into the game. And we're sitting courtside. And uh, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett and DJ Jazzy Jeff and his wife or girlfriend came and sat down right next to us uh, for the entire game. And uh, it was really a, a pretty cool, a pretty cool experience. Will Smith is an awesome, awesome guy. Um, on the flip side, I got to meet one of the members of Boys to Men in the Las Vegas airport. And for anybody that's listening, go to the Bradley's house group page and I will share the picture of how miserable this gentleman was having to take a picture with me in the airport. <laughs> it's the greatest picture you've ever seen in your entire life. I walked up and told him what a huge fan I was. And when you see the look on his face, um, just telling the story doesn't do it justice. But, um, you know, so that's that's what I was exposed to. So being able to hear, uh, you know, bands like, like Ballyhoo and, and Bumpin' Uglies and knowing that the East Coast is, uh, you know, really kind of making some moves in this 
uh, reggae rock, Cali reggae, whatever you want to call it scene. Uh, it's really cool for me because I, I love the music. And now I love that bands like you guys are, are representing it on the East Coast. Yeah, man, it's it, uh, it's it has been very, very cool to see it, it flourishing the way it is. And I feel like, um, you know, th this whole scene, like I, I, I kind of refer to it as American reggae and it's there's, you know, it's like an umbrella. Um, so you got your different uh, different genres within there's the like ska punk reggae, you know, there's the roots reggae, dub reggae, all that pop reggae. Um, and I just see this scene. I think it's great because, you know, as opposed to like the the ska boom, the the third wave in, in the late '90s, um, it was that it only lasted like two years. It was like MTV got a hold of it and just ruined it. And I feel like because this scene hasn't had that, you're not really getting any radio bands. Like I mean, other than Dirty Heads, um, I'm not. You're not really hearing like anybody else on the radio. And it's and. Also, the fact that MTV isn't a thing and there isn't just one place for consumption anymore. It used to be just radio and MTV, right? And now it's like everybody listens on Spotify, Pandora, Apple, YouTube. It's like it's all fragmented. Um, so I think that actually helps. Uh, it helps us so you don't overdo it and ruin a good thing, you know, and just burn it out. Um, so this this whole genre, this whole scene has just been growing since the early to mid two thousands. Um, and you know, I, the spark was sublime to me and that's where I'll get to that in a minute about the house that Bradley built. Um, that's where that really comes to fruition. But so it was like, it was like there was some time off. Some bands were kind of being born out of that. Um, and then, mid 2000s you start seeing these bands popping up and then it just it started like i believe it was like more than just the west coast but the west coast started really like exploding first and then over the last 10 years you've just seen it across the country and then now it's like the east coast is in there and it's just it's become a national thing it i think it's so i mean you go to cali roots and it's sold out three days in a row you know there's reggae rise up which sells out and um it's just these these big festivals but it's all under the radar you know there's still so many people that haven't heard of this stuff and i feel like it's, there's so much room to grow and it's just going to flourish for a lot longer and, and we probably haven't even hit, hit the peak yet you know i agree i think it's awesome and I, I love seeing it spread across the country and and get a different flavor from each region and then you know as you said the festivals you come together and you get to hear it all and you know you get the different styles and the different influences and I, I love the variety. I think that's really cool. I, and I love the fact that it's been very organic and very grassroots and is just building. So it's a really great community. It's, it's really cool to be a part of. A hundred percent. Um, I, I was, uh, I remember thinking years ago, like I felt like some bands were like, some of these bands were like afraid to even mention sublime for some reason. Um, I've always kind of worn it proudly. Um, but I felt like it was like almost like a weird thing to, to say, oh yeah, we sound like sublime for some reason. Um, and there weren't a lot of bands talking about it. Like I didn't hear any bands talking about their influences, you know, and, and sublime. And one of them, when I knew they were, I was like, you clearly, like, we all kind of come from this, you know, we were born out of this. And now that the, 
you know, and that's just my perception, but, but, but now that the house that Bradley built is out, you see all these bands on there and they're all playing these songs and it's like, yeah, okay. There's the respect right there. I felt like it was long overdue as far as like being publicly, um, you know, publicly made, like we all love sublime. We're like the children of this and, uh, everybody's got their own flavor and it, I don't know. I just love that this album is out. Yeah, I think Paul Milbury did a really great job of finding artists that felt the music, you know, that really were influenced by Sublime and wanted to give back and wanted to show their appreciation and their love. And I think that's what makes the album so great is that that really comes through in every track. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, uh, Common Kings has a great version of Garden Grove on there. Um just did something cool with that, you know, and, and cashed out with the slow ride. Just, you know, it's, it's great. Ugly says same in the end. Um, it, it's just cool, man. It's, it's cool to see all, all my homies on there and everybody's, everybody's doing it, you know? It's a great album. And, you know, hearing you say that, I used to think about that a lot too, you know, nobody ever mentions Sublime when you know that if you're playing anything close to this genre, um, you know, Brad is, is, and has been an influence on it. But, you know, to me, without fanboying too much out on Sublime, it's like, you know, if you ask a basketball player to model your game after somebody, none of them are going to say Michael Jordan, because that's a, that's a hell of a standard to be held up against. Um, so I think maybe that's part of the reason why people shy away from, from calling that out because, um, you know, he, he kind of started this whole thing. So to say you're like him, um, nobody wants to have that comparison. I don't think. Yeah. And you know, it's, I would think that anybody, if you said that or whatever, like it wouldn't be like, I would hope I wouldn't hear like, well, there will never be another song. Yeah. Well, no shit. Like, of course not, you know? Um, but like we, we get these influences. We do, we're just one of those bands that, that kind of really wears it on our sleeve. I'm, I'm not afraid to, to show like who we're influenced by, you know, you can hear it in the music, you know, like there's, I mean, I love 311 too. So you hear, you hear some riffs and shit, you know, like it just, and, and sometimes the groove on the drums and then the, the, our old, a lot of our old songs, like just green day heavy, you know, just like pop punk. Um, so I don't know, man. I just like writing good music and uh, so, at least songs that I think are good. And um, it just happens to be kind of based around those sounds that I picked up as a kid. Yeah. And after the Z-Man was on with us on episode three, it's confirmed that uh, I'm allowed to like 311. Uh, he, he backed off of his, his comments a little bit. He still hasn't given them key status yet. Um, but he did say he did say it's okay to like them again. So I don't have to be a closet 311 fan anymore. <laughs> That's good. I was kind of wondering that about it, about his his close his circle. Like, are you allowed to like three eleven or what? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I told him too much power. <laughs> yeah, for, for years, you know, people would be like, "Oh, dude, did you hear that new three eleven track?" And I'm like, "Fuck three eleven And they're like, "Why?" And I'm like, "I don't even know." But that's what they said on the Sublime tape that I have VHS. So I, I can't. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. I don't like them. And uh, then I heard a bunch of their songs, and I'm like, "Man, I do like this band." I can't let any of my Sublime friends know. But then I got Z Man. I got him in the corner and he said, you know, he's, he backs off those comments, uh, a little bit. Um, so, uh, it, it's cool. It's totally cool in the community to say that you, you like 311 now. The, the beef is over. That's good to hear, man. Cause 
I've been a, I've been a huge fan of both of those bands uh, since I was a kid. So it's good to hear. Um, I saw his documentary. Holy shit! Right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the long way back for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. I know it's on Amazon. I'm not sure if it's still on Hulu and other streaming services, but yeah, that is a phenomenal documentary. He did an amazing job. It was amazing. It, it got my son sent to his room. He said, Dad, are you crying? And I said, no, go to your room. <laughs> yeah, it was heavy, man. It was, uh, I, I liked it. Um, it was cool that they, they actually talked about Brad for a bit. It was good, good 10 or 15 minutes of, of sort of a recap of that. Um, I mean, it was kind of, I guess unavoidable because they were hanging out and stuff. But um, yeah, it was nice to see that um, and kind of go deeper. Because I, I thought the, I, I liked the behind the music. I just thought it was a little too heavy, maybe. I think they should have focused a little more on the music, maybe. But um, it, it was interesting to see a more, because re- this was like his friend. It wasn't like some TV network. It, this was like his friend showing this footage and talking about him and stuff and, and talking about his own his own troubles and uh, I don't know I just, I just I just felt like it was like way better you know yeah it was very personal very personal and in fact that is a bit of what led to Bradley's house so he did that documentary and um, and then shortly after that we were talking and that he was the one who came up with the idea for Bradley's house so it was a big part of it really cool I have a question for you so you have of course a beautiful family uh, is it difficult now? I mean, you know, being older and and raising kids and still trying to make your music. How do you juggle all that? <laughs> oh man, it's a never-ending battle. It's like, you know, you love everything. You love you love the music. You love the family. You know, um, and there's got to be there's got to be time for both. And uh, you know, I, I've I've structured my life. Um, for years now, like my, you know, it, to, to be able to work, like my work is the music, which is by design. It took a long time to get there. Cause I didn't even quit my job till about seven years ago. Um, yeah, was, I was, uh, waiting tables and bartending. And, um, yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, it was good because they, they were, uh, they were cool about, you know, not many jobs. will let you, you know, go on tour for two months and be a rock star and then come back and, you know, serve, salad and breadsticks you know like <laughs> it's like you, yeah yeah it's um I, I definitely lost a few jobs because of it but it was always the goal to I knew that I I didn't ever want to work for anybody like I'm doing this right now but I I'm eventually not going to work for someone um I'm going to make my own money have my own stuff going on and uh, I finally made the flip I guess in uh 2013 my son was two or three and I was 32 years old and it was I just come off tour with uh, Authority Zero and it was a great fun tour I think we were gone for like six weeks and I've been on many tours you know at that point and you know it's like I got home for, for whatever reason it was the ego or whatever I was just like I can't go back to waiting tables I can't do it like just you know people telling me the soup is cold and think it's just and getting mad about orders. It's just crazy. I don't know. I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I, and I, I knew that I also knew that like my time was being eaten away by this, like, you know, I'm pulling doubles all the time just to, to make this money and, um, support the family. I wasn't seeing the family very much cause I was working so much. Then I was like, all right, I got to make a, 
change here because I'm 32 years old. Um, you know, when, when am I going to, when, when, when will I be able to support the family, um, with the music solely? And I knew that like, it's not going to happen, uh, if, if I don't like take a leap right now, like I've got to take my time back and start working on, um, learning how to record myself and, and, uh, writing more songs and getting better at that and, and being home and, you know, cause I'll be at work. Like, you know, at the time it was MySpace. you know, I'm on, I'm on the MySpace app, which was super slow and shitty. And I'm trying to, uh, message fans back and mention, and, you know, announce tours and things and do tour dates all in the walk-in fridge and I'm getting in trouble, you know, like, you know, you're going to lose your shifts. I'm like, Oh Christ, you know? And so like, I wanted to be done with that and just be at home and just sort of like have no worries. You know, it was scary because, you know, the money wasn't great. And I was like, okay, I really need to dive in if I'm going to do this. But I challenged myself and I was like, all right, I'm done. I told her, I told, uh, uh, Danielle about it. And I was just like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta do this. I really gotta, you know, focus. And she was cool with it. And she was probably scared to death, but you know, so what, seven years later, eight years later, here we are, like, you know. Seemed to work out for you. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, I, 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 I get, sometimes I get sad thinking about people that like, you know, cause like at the, at the job there when I was waiting tables and stuff, like they're like these, uh, men and women that are like 55, 60 years old waiting tables. And I'm just like, God, I don't ever want to be that, you know? I don't ever want that to happen to me. I just feel like a lot of people aren't encouraged enough when they're kids or something. Or or in my case, like, I was, like, encouraged growing up, but then when it got time to, you know, graduate high school, you know, everybody started saying things like, hey, when are you going to go to college? When are you going to get a job? You should join the Army. Like, no, you know? Like, I think that's such a it's such an antiquated uh, approach. I, I feel like, especially now, like I push my kids to like, Hey, you can do whatever you want. So you, no, no, really, you can do whatever you want. Like you, you can, but just focus and drive towards it. I mean, I would get told you can't be on MTV. Like it's impossible. I'm like, well, they're doing it. You know, I'm pointing at the TV. Cause MTV was on all the time in my house. I don't ever want to be like that. I like my kids, like I want them to, I'm pushing them, you know, and they can do whatever they want, but they just have to work hard for it. And I think that was, that's what was missed, you know? And it was like, it's all based in fear. You know, it's like, uh, your, your parents, your grandparents, they, they want what's best for you. They're not, they're not doing it to be mean saying you can't do that. They're just, they want, they want to make sure you're not going to be living on the streets or, uh, you know, you'll have a secure job, things like that. It's, it's all based on fear. And I, I don't like that. Yeah, I think it's definitely well, important to communicate to our kids to follow their dreams and pursue their passion. And at the end of the day, I think that's what's most important. And so, you know, I mean, honestly, I've I've met a lot of people waiting tables who do that so that they can pursue their passion. And, you know, whatever it takes, I, I think it's just the bottom line is just, you know, going after it and knowing that you can do what you um what you dream about and and that's that's key, I think, to really having a happy life and, and knowing that you're doing the best you can. So that's really cool that you took that leap. Um, one of the things that I hear sometimes from people 
about Bradley's house is, you know, why are you helping musicians? They've got plenty of money. Um, but, you know, the goal for Bradley's house is not to help the Britney Spears of the world. It's to help the people that are like, like you were seven years ago, you know, busting their ass, waiting tables, you know, playing gigs, doing whatever it takes and, and barely, barely able to make ends meet, but still wanting to pursue that dream. And, um, you know, that's, that's where Brad was for most of his musical career. And those are the people that I'm really excited to be able to help the ones that feel trapped and not able to get the help they need because they're, they're working so hard and trying to make everything happen. And music is a tough business. My, my hat's off to you big time for, for not only making it in that business, but also being able to provide for your family. I know that that's tough, but you're doing a great job. Yeah, thanks. There's a, you know, it wasn't without its uh, crushing disappointments, but it's, you know, it's good for the most part. And you're still doing it. I'm still doing it. Yeah, still doing it, man. Just, uh, it's, I, I'm never going to stop. Like, I, this is, like saving for retirement. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to retire. Like, this is what I do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm living right now. <laughs> and I just saw, I just saw you post that Ballyhoo's finishing up some, some new music. You just finished a song. I think you said it's, that's been in the making for what, six years? Oh God. Yeah. About four years, I think three, three or four years. Like I was just like, I get blocked a lot, man. And like, um, it's like lyrically I get hung up on myself and here I am like being producer to all these other artists and I'm telling them like, listen, man, just like, like just, I heard a saying like, say it straight and then say it great. Like, don't worry about like, don't get caught up in your head. Just tell your story. And then later, like come back to it and make it rhyme and kind of format it as a song, you know? Um, and like, I can't even take my own advice. I, I get caught up in my, my own head. Like I want every line to be, like tattooable. I want every line to be like epic as fuck. And like, it's just, yes, I want, you know, we've, we've, it's been really cool. Like, you know, fans will send us uh, uh pics over the years of, of them getting like some lyrics from one of our songs tattooed on them or something. And, and that's, that's rad. And so like, I think about that. I'm like, okay, well I want this, all these lines to be able to be that. And, and let's with, with that, I like screw myself and I just like, I'll throw everything away, you know? And it's like, I just need to like let go and just, just say it straight, you know, just, and, and people will dig it, I think, you know? So I'm working on that, <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy as shit to get this done. Every line being tattooable is a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, totally. That that's what's in my head every day, Kelly. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. They can't all be tens, man. If if you don't if you don't put out some six or sevens, how can we really appreciate the tens? It's so true, dude. I like and and, and like I've never been um you know, I've never been like I've never been like so concerned like I with like quantity. Like I'm I always want to get I do go for quality over quantity and, and that's what gets me. Like I don't I don't ever want I always hated getting, you know, buying the CD and it was just like two great songs and all filler. We all had that experience, you know, um, you pay $18 and you get two great songs. And for me, it's like, I want every song to just like slam and just be just like single material, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's my, it's my curse. Probably every musician's curse. There's nothing wrong with that. Now I see that in, uh, 2020, Slash the start of 2021 here. Um, you're kind of chomping at the bit to get back out there. But um, I saw that you just recently didn't 
get out to Florida for a show um, because you're really taking this COVID thing serious and uh, and making sure that you're protecting yourself and your band and, and everyone else. Um, how has this been affecting you? Oh, it's been such a weird year. Um, yeah, so the, the Florida thing, you know, when, when we were talking about booking the, the run, um, the numbers were kind of headed in the right direction, you know, like not gone obviously but in a you know everything was looking pretty good and then when we announced you know like a month and a half later that everything had changed like the week before that and so like all of a sudden everything's spiking it's like it was like after uh after thanksgiving i guess so the holidays were kind of wrecking everything and we i, I just like the day that I, I didn't realize i didn't know it was getting announced and it, there I see a poster. I'm like scrolling through Instagram and there it is like value like playing in Florida. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> and like, you know, we've been trying to push like, Hey, wear the mask, like, like comply. Like, let's just get this done. Everybody wants to get back to work. Let's do the best we can. Let's work together. Um, and we just, I just didn't see it as a good look. I was just like, this, this it doesn't look good for us to, go down there and do this. And I think like all the Florida fans were pumped, you know, everybody down there is excited and happy. And then we had some people on the outside sort of being like, Whoa, this is really irresponsible. Uh, we had a couple of people like really throw some nasty words at us. Um, and it just got to be, just like, yeah, this is, they're right though. Like we, we should, we should lead by example. Um, and you know, we didn't want, we didn't want any sort of, black mark in, in the band's history, um, over like four shows in Florida. And on, so on the flip side, look, there's nuance to everything. Right. So like, I don't, uh, I can't hate on the bands that are playing there, especially the bands that live there when it's such an open experience, like the governor's just letting everything be open. It's just, that's the culture down there right now. Um, and a lot of those bands that I know, they're like, they're still baby bands and they can't afford to take off all year long. You know, they just like anybody else, they got to get back to work, you know? Um, and if people are willing to go, I mean, I don't know. It's like this, it's, it's not my say it for what people do, but like, we just decided that we weren't going to do it. And that was it, you know, but as far as like the rest of the year, um, we did do a drive-in show, which was great. And at that point, it it had been... So our last show was March 1st, which is actually our first show ever in 1996. <laughs> so 20... What was it, like 24 years later, we uh, played our last show. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, March 1st was our last show. We're coming up on a full year of not doing shows, but we did get the, the, uh, the drive-in at the end of September, which was like as close to a real show as you can get, I guess. And you've been doing some amazing live streams. Yeah, yeah, and that's great too. Those feel like just a rehearsal, but it's just going out to the to the, to the audience, you know. Um, those are super weird to do, but you know we're happy to do it. Um, but like, it's, you're just like in a, in a room, and it's just like seven people, like crew, just like filming and running sound, and that's it, you know. And we'll like halfway through the set, we'll like get the hey guys, can you guys clap or something? <laughs> Um, it's so weird, but when you remove that, um, you know, because like you have to go like extra hard 
you know, we're used to like work, like working with crowd energy too. And we've definitely played it to crowds that really didn't give a shit, you know, but like, it's really different when it's just like us in a, in a big soundstage. Um, but ultimately we know what it's for us and the fans are getting something from it. Um, and the fans have been super supportive, uh, keeping the, the band afloat. And I think that like, I th thank you to them. You know, um, what was great is that it forced us to, to innovate. And I think some good things came from this as shitty as it is. Everybody hates this, you know, but, but like you have to make do with what you have. And we were able to like really turn it around and we just, took everything online, including the merch store. Um, and so you just get creative. You, you, you do the stream, you make it an event, you make a, 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 a live stream t-shirt or hoodie or something, poster, whatever. And that's significant to that one night and it's on sale for like two days and then you kill it. And it's like, you create this demand and kind of fun excitement. Um, and the fans just support, man. And it's, it's been huge. Yeah, the, I like I said, those live streams were a lot of fun. And, you know, as fans, we do get sort of anxious to hear the music in that sort of live environment setting. And even if it's just in my living room through the TV, it's it's really cool to be able to have that experience and that energy again, you know, in any way we can get it for sure. And I do think, you know, like you were saying, it, it really forces you guys to, to be a bit more creative and to innovate. And I think all the artists that are still able to maintain through these crazy times are doing the same thing, you know, just finding new and exciting ways to, to engage with fans and, and keep that going because we all need it. You know, you guys need it from your end and the fans, we all need it from our end. And so I think, I think it's really cool to see how, how people have been sort of coming through it. You know, I've seen you doing lots of other things. My boys each got a couple of dream grind shirts for Christmas <laughs> You know, we like to support in any way we can. Yeah, I appreciate that. That that's what I'm talking about. It's like you know, uh, I do the podcast and um, have the the clothing line stuff on the side and uh, do YouTube videos and um, I just like making stuff, you know. And I w I'm glad that I'd already been doing that stuff when this all went down because I I already had all the gear and everything I needed and I already had like an audience built, you know. That's why like. I think it's so important for, for artists to constantly be trying to try new things and, and figure it out. Like, it's not just about the music anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's so much more than that. Like there's a video component, there's going live, there's building your audience and engaging your audience. It's not like it used to be. Um, and you know, I had like artists like, like texting me and calling me like, yo, what do I need? Like, how can I get what you have? Like, what, what's the setup? Like, tell me, you know? And I'm, I'm giving like my friends advice, like how to start a YouTube channel and how to, um, what kind of gear to get to, to do a podcast or, or do a live stream, you know, uh, it's just been, um, it's been wild. And, and I definitely applaud like every artist out there that's actually doing something, you know, this whole time. Um, some of these big major artists aren't doing anything, you know, but these little guys, they're, 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 they're going live to 10, 20 people and, and loving every second of it, you know? Yeah. Well. I, hopefully it's been a growing experience for everybody and allowed them to 
expand their horizons and, and realize that there's a lot more that they can be doing to connect with their fan base instead of just, just, you know, playing shows and stuff. So hopefully a lot of this will carry over after all of this madness is finished with, but, um, I, I'm excited to see what the future brings. I always think anytime there's difficult times, it forces us to grow and innovate and find new and exciting ways to do things. So maybe something will come out of it that, that turns out to be a really awesome thing that continues. You never know. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot of great things that are already starting to come together. I think a lot of people aren't going to go work in an office building anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of changes. Now, Howie, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. And I do this with all of our guests. Um, obviously, you had mentioned that Sublime was a, a, a huge influence to you. Now, say you ran into somebody who's never heard the band Sublime before, and they were going to give you one song, one opportunity to win them over. What Sublime song are you playing for them? Shit. <laughs> oh, man. You know, uh, Christ, this is this is tough, man. This is tough. I know, I know. I'm sorry to do it to you, but here's the good thing is that there's no wrong answer. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> um, you know, but I'd, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably say, I don't know. I hate to, I hate to say it. I hate to say this because it's like maybe, I don't know, expected or something, but like a song like Bad Fish, or a song like Santeria, you know, the big hits, you know, like they're hits for a reason. They connect for a reason. You know, there's something there. And I feel like many, many Sublime songs can connect with a lot of people, which they have. Um, but something about those songs that grabbed me, you know, from, from sort of obscurity, like not knowing anything about them. I mean, Badfish, when I heard that, the tone about it, like it was, it sounded like 80s. It's, it's like... His voice was beautiful and just oh, something. It was that beach surf sound. And then Sansaria, on the other hand, was another one that really pulled me in. It, just the hook, you know, the hook and the and the groove. Uh, again, amazing voice. It just, yeah, I, I got to say one of those. I would love to go deeper into the catalog, but I feel like one of those two songs is just like perfect to, to make somebody go, whoa, and then have them go, you know dive in no that totally makes sense and i get it and uh you know two two amazing songs and oddly enough you're the first person to bring up santeria um i knew it see i knew it i knew it that's why i said that <laughs> yeah yeah you were the you were the first one and uh and obviously it's you know one of their biggest if not their their biggest hit. Well, Howie, uh, we certainly appreciate you giving us so much time today. For anyone who's listening, where can they find you? Go ahead and plug your socials, websites, YouTube pages, whatever you got going on or coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. Just uh, Google Howie Spangler, go to YouTube. I'm on there. Sub, sub up to the channel. Uh, Tales from the Green Room podcast. Uh, Ballyhoo, my band, BallyhooRocks.com. Ballyhoo everywhere, Spotify. Everybody listen to music. Um, yeah. Come check it out, and if you're in a band looking for some for some uh, some guidance, hit me up. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man, and thank you to Danielle and the kids for letting us borrow you for some time here. And thank you for all the great music you've made over the years, and for being a part of the House of Bradley Bell. 
I appreciate you guys having me. It's uh, it's been awesome knowing you all these years, and uh, I'm so glad that we could be a part of this. And thanks for having me on the show. It's so sick. Well, we just got done having an awesome conversation with Howie Spangler from Ballyhoo. And uh, again, the whole point of Bradley's house is to um, raise money through the Noel Family Foundation to get Bradley's house open. And we're able to do that with a lot of help uh, from different donors and sponsors. And today, Kelly, we have a very special sponsor with us. Um, and uh, I know you're very excited uh, about having Sarah and, and Humble on the show, right? I absolutely am. You know, there's so many people that I talk with who um, have lost a loved one to addiction and, and they, they feel that sense of helplessness, which I can relate to of thinking, you know, I need to do something. I need to make this loss matter. And I feel really fortunate that we're able to do that through the Noel Family Foundation. And I feel like we have a connection with Sarah because she is doing something very similar. She's taking that, that pain that she's experienced and funneling it into something that can help other people. So welcome. Thanks for being with us, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you guys for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about why you started Humble Collective CBD? Um, well, there's lots of reasons, um, but definitely it was inspired by my brother who passed away um, almost six years ago now. Um, he was 24 and he um, struggled a lot with, um, struggled with addiction since he was in high school. And, um, cannabis was one of the only things, the shining lights that really helped him. But, you know, six years ago in Michigan, it was very, you know, impossible to get, you know, it's on, the, uh, you know, hard, no dispensaries or medical programs at that point. Um, so yeah, that, that's, you know, we've been in cannabis forever. And, you know, me and my husband have worked in cannabis for 15 years now. So that's really been, you know, Putting this all together to make make a difference has been a big thing. Been focusing on. That's fantastic. I love that you're able to use that in a really positive way. You know, we've talked about before on the podcast that for some people, sobriety is absolutely nothing, and that's what works for them, and that's great. And for other people, sobriety for them means finding alternatives to things that are much more harmful. And um, you know, if that means using cannabis instead of heroin. I'm all for it, 100%. And obviously, there are so many other benefits to cannabis besides, you know, using it in, in addiction situations. Can you share with us some of those things that you've seen and things that it's helped other people? Um, yeah, well, yes. Yeah, so I specific, we have a cannabis, recreational cannabis farm here in Michigan as well. But my business specifically is um, legal CBD that we ship everywhere across the country. And I started this um, over three years ago now, and we have had tens of thousands of testimonials at this point for everything from chronic pain. You know, one of my favorite testimonials is one of my customers who is 80 years old, and he is just absolutely bedridden. Um, and he, you know, he says after a few weeks of taping the CBD oil, he's up mowing his neighbor's lawns and like having a life that he never thought he'd have. Just stories like that a lot, often, all the time. Um and yeah, anxiety, you know, people that have struggled with such, you know, anxiety, pain, you know, CBD has a numerous list of things that can help with. And we're so happy that we can, you know, provide that help for an affordable cost. And we, we're, we love what we do. I feel like it shows too. We love helping people. We love it. We just love everything about it. I was absolutely blown away, um, in doing the research and, uh, I joined your group on Facebook and, uh, 
wow, it's just amazing all of the people that you have on there. And every single day, there are dozens, if not more, of people that are saying they got their package and how great it is and ranting and raving uh, about the products. And, um, yeah. you know, when, when when we were able to look at that, um, you know, and topped with you telling me, you know, that you your brother, he, he liked to play music. He was a sublime fan. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just like when Kelly and I were looking at it it was like this is a no-brainer this is the company that that we want to have featured on the show and and to mm-hmm. offer to our listeners yeah i know that's perfect that's great i'm so glad that we connected for sure um yeah yeah i'm happy to be here and yeah our community just like the group you guys invited me to as well i love our community i feel like that's like the driving force of our business as well like we love the direct feedback from our customers we love talking with them every day you know when i get orders we ship orders every day. Like I know every person, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, here's so-and-so again. Here's them. You know, I, I feel like I know my customers have a personal relationship, which is amazing as well. I love, I love being so involved. And you're on there every day. Now, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me, and you kind of touched on it a little bit in the beginning is, uh, as we were speaking back and forth, you had mentioned that if the CBD was readily and easily available, you think it's possible that things might have been different for your brother's situation? And go ahead and tell us his name. I- I'm sorry. Oh. I don't even. Oh, his name is Sam. And actually, my I just had a, a baby um, this summer. And his I put his, his name is Owen Samuel as the middle name for my um, oh, brother. That's awesome. That's yeah. beautiful. I did the same with my firstborn, Trevor Bradley. Oh, oh how, that's, that's so special. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but yeah, my, so my brother, um, you know, like I was saying before, he, you know, he struggled with, um, addiction. And like, I know a lot of people, it starts out with prescription pain pills and then it just spiraled from there. And he, you know, he's struggled with it for six, seven, eight years since high school. And he had, you know, periods of being clean and going to rehab and it was amazing. And then he had some very, very dark times then, which I'm sure we all can relate with. Um, but yeah, I really, you know, and I, the, kind of story that sort of tied this all together. I really feel like he could have um, been the, the, the day, the couple of days before he relapsed, he was seeking cannabis. He had injured his back and he was in a lot of pain. And I um, mean, you know, this is six years ago. CBD wasn't really even a thing then. I mean, it was, but it was very small scale. Um, and, you know, back in Michigan, six years ago, there wasn't dispensaries, you know, everywhere now, like there are now, so he was texting friends, asking if they could, you know, get him a bag of weed to help his pain. And unfortunately, he texted the wrong person, you know, just a dark soul who said, I don't have any weed, but I have I have a Norco. And that opened up the door, you know, it, to to, you know, a couple of days later, it was just, yeah. So I really, you know, yeah. just seeing going back through, you know, we were trying to kind of piece the the pieces together after he passed away and going through his cell phone and kind of getting that timeline and seeing that and just feeling like, Oh my gosh. And yeah, that, you know, I really feel like if he could have had access to cannabis and CBD, you know, I think if he was here now, he'd be working alongside us right now and helping so many people as well. I'm so sorry, Sarah. I'm really sorry for your loss. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I, I have a question. Like, I hear a lot from people that there's so many choices out there now. You mentioned that, you know, six, seven years ago, it was a lot harder to find. But now it seems like it, there's really been um, you know, a flood of the market. And so how, from your perspective, how can somebody really make sure that what they're getting is quality product? And what types of things do you do 
to ensure that your product is high quality? Well, I think the, one of the most unique things we have um, is, is that we have a very direct relationship with all of our ingredient suppliers, especially the f- supplier that supplies our CBD oil. We get it from a small farm. And, you know, he's in my group. We talk every day. Like it's a small boutique farmer, small batch, like grown with love organically. Um, I feel like that's what kind of set us sets us apart from some of the bigger companies who, you know, have some mass produce, which is, you know, like I say, it's still great. The CBD is great, you know, anyway. But some I think the thing that kind of sets us apart is the the boutique, small batch, like very involved um, process that we do and the connection, like the very intimate connection we have with everything we make. Like we hand make everything. We don't do big batches. We don't, you know, we don't outsource things. Like we do everything in-house by ourselves. And we definitely pour our love and energy and passion into everything. And, you know, it's like we're saying in our group and um, you know, just with our customer service, you know, we're very very customer oriented. We love to chat. We love to, you know, answer any questions. Like we love to hear your success and we love to hear your testimonies. We love to help you troubleshoot, you know, CBD is kind of a tricky thing. There's a lot of, you know, little, you know, questions. If you take the wrong dosage, it might not be helping you. Just little things like that. We love to help troubleshoot and get you feeling better. That's fantastic. I think that definitely makes a difference. Well, thank you so much for partnering with us and we're supporting Bradley's house and we're excited to support you guys as well. And yeah. Oh, and I wanted, give- oh, I want, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to say that we have a discount code too. We wanted to throw out there as well. Oh, that's awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. We, the discount code, we decided to make it sublime, make it easy. And it's on humblecollectivecbd.com. It's for 25% off. Oh, that's very generous. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing yeah. with our listeners. We really appreciate it. Definitely. It was so nice to talk to you guys. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. Now, just to remind everybody, Sarah, one more time, let everybody know about the Facebook group, the Facebook page, your website, and where they can find you and give them that code one more time. Yes. So um, we love to chat with you. We have over 21,000 people in our Facebook group. It's the Humble Collective VIP group. You search that on Facebook. You should be able to find us. And our Facebook page is Humble Collective. There's also a group to our link to our group there. And our website is humblecollectivecbd.com. And the discount code is sublime for 25% off all our Humble Collective products. Thank you, Sarah. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you, Sarah. And um, we look forward to our listeners getting hooked up with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Kelly, another amazing episode. Really awesome. A special thank you to Howie for coming on and speaking with us. And uh, I know that that one was a lot of fun for you. I know you and your family are huge Ballyhoo fans, like you mentioned. And uh, it was great to have him not just be a part of the album, but to come on and chat with us for a little bit. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun for me. It was my chance to fan for a lot. Hey, you didn't do that bad. You did pretty well. <laughs> I think it was okay. I was really trying to keep it under control there. <laughs> no, you you did you did just you did just fine. Um, a special thank you to uh, Sarah and all the folks over at Humble Collective CBD, um, special sponsors and, and friends of the show, uh, and really showing support to help get Bradley's house built. And uh, un- unfortunate story um, that she shared. It's. Uh, heartbreaking and you know it all too well but um just like yourself she's uh taking that and spinning it into a good thing and um for anybody out there if you are using a cbd product now 
or if you've even thought about using a CBD product, reach out to Humble. Like she said, they're uh, they're there to troubleshoot, and uh, she'll be happy to answer any questions and lead you in the right direction. And then how cool was it that she's hooking all the listeners up with 25% off by using Code Sublime? That is amazing. So generous. Absolutely love her. She's She's got a great story, a great product, and I love what they're doing over there at Humble Club for CBD. Yeah. And, uh, and it's those kind of sponsors and, and people that are reaching out that's going to help get this house built. And, uh, we're not just acknowledging Humble Collective today, right, Kelly? Absolutely. I did want to give a big shout out to Caller Brand Music. They so generously donated some ukuleles to us this past summer. They went ahead and had Bradley's house etched onto these ukuleles and they donated them to us. So we're going to keep some for Bradley's house for the music room. And then sometime in the future, we're going to auction them off. So I'm really excited. And I just wanted to thank them. They do such a wonderful job. They do handmade ukuleles. They're all built by hand at their shop in California. So every single instrument is individual. And um, they're they're really beautiful. They sound amazing. I have a lot of friends that play color ukuleles. So uh, definitely check them out. And right now you can get free shipping on orders of $99 or more. So take advantage of that at collarbrand.com. Yeah. And again, huge thank you to everybody that is helping out. And uh, guys, keep an eye out in the Bradley's House group uh, and on the Noel Family Foundation pages as there is a day of giving that is being put together by the foundation for Bradley's birthday on 222, my favorite number. Um, lots of information. And I know you guys have been working hard on that. And uh, we're all going to get together and, and make a big push on that day of giving. Um, something that I know you guys are, are working endlessly on, Kelly. Absolutely. I'm excited about that. And we also have something special coming up a couple of days before Brad's birthday in celebration of that. And there'll be more information coming soon. Oh my God. It's so exciting. Uh, guys, we want to thank you again for, uh, for joining us. Uh, remember to check out today's featured friends, uh, Calibrand.com and Humble Collective CBD. Uh, we really enjoy you guys, uh, reaching out to us. So if there's anything that we can do, uh, you can find the Bradley's house group page. Kelly and I are both in there. Uh, I am on Facebook at Jared or Kelly's out there. Kelly Noel. Uh, we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. You don't have to go home, but unfortunately it is time to leave Bradley's house. So to finish off the podcast this time, we're going to close out with my absolute favorite Valley Goose song. We mentioned it during the podcast. It's close to me, how he wrote it about losing his mom. It speaks so much to me about losing my brother and uh, I know you'll all love it. So here's close to me. things I do to keep you close to me And every day's another day from what we used to be And I don't know what I've been thinking Cause this is much like hell It's days like this I must insist I'm not doing so well Oh no, get lost in you Like you know I often do And I wonder if you're proud of me can hear me shout at me I need to kill this doubt at me for good so help me now so let you go think about these last 10 years and what they've done to me 
Hello, my name is Tyson with the Null Family Foundation, and I wanted to provide some resources to any men and women that need help and are struggling with drug and alcohol abuse. The first one I want to give is the SAMHSA.gov website, and that is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration website. And their 1-800 number is 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. And you can always personally reach out to myself. My name is Tyson Sullivan, and you can email me at info at the org. I have a lot of resources throughout the whole country, and I can help you get connected for yourself or a loved one that's struggling.